0: Good morning, good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive Podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, back once again for another one of our fabulous podcasts. If I'm a little bit echoey, it's because we're in the office. There's three of us on today's pod, two of us are in the office and it's all a little bit echoey. So hopefully the podcast mic is doing its job. If it isn't, There's nothing I can do, and I will get my producer, Brandon, to work some sort of magic. But I hope you are well, and I hope you are interested in today's podcast, because I know my couple of LACE guests are, because it's all that they seem to talk about. I've got Simon Feijer from our team, who's
1: in the room with me. all right? Yeah, good. Thanks, Chris. Are you excited to talk about faster payments and earned wage access? I'm always excited to talk about anything to do with payroll. So talking about faster payments is making me beyond excited excellent i love that and uh of
0: course back as always because he is mr lace podcast payroll is chris
2: kirby how you doing mate you all right i'm very good thank you chris and i'm equally as excited but i can't put it as uh as as uh, as strongly as cyber as, as eloquently as the, the as fabulous mr it, it, but, so how do you like being called mr lace payroll podder i've kind of got used to it now chris that's what people <laughs> recognize me as on the street <laughs> People just walk past them. You're that podcast guy, aren't you? That always talks
0: about payroll and then they walk the other way. Absolutely. A celebrity. He's a celebrity. Right. We are going to talk about, as I mentioned, faster payments and earned wage access. So, Chris, you and I have spoken Mm -hmm. to a couple of businesses around this kind of area in the last 18 months, two years. And I always think it's quite nice to get a bit of a refresher as to, you know, what's going on in the space and where are we at. So I think we'll kick it off with that. I'll fire the first question at you, Chris. And then if you can jump in Simon afterwards. And it is literally like where are we at now compared to it might have been even a
2: year ago you and i were talking about this maybe it's the first time or so yeah but i think it probably was wasn't it it's i mean it's been a few years now it's becoming more popular and i think that that trend and trajectory has continued we're definitely still in a massive growth phase from what we're seeing in this space particularly around earned wage access i saw some stats this week ceridian announced this year that they surpassed the one billion pounds mark paid through their dayforce wallet and that's across uh nearly 1500 customers as well and i think when you consider that i think that was launched in 2020 that's an incredible amount of money and a very high number of customers right to be taking up something that you know in its essence is still very very young and very new to the market i think the one thing i'd call out is while there is an incredible amount of growth and we're still seeing a massive you know, increase in adoption of, of of this sort of thing, it feels like we're on the cusp of kind of legislation taking a grip. There's always been that to and fro between, you know, is this a payday loan or is it responsible and that kind of thing. And I noticed particularly in the US on a state by state basis, you know, we've got different states imposing different laws around whether you're even allowed to charge for this kind of thing. Some of them are classing it as a payday loan. You know, it, it's... The, that legislative side and the, and the grip on that that side of things is really starting to take take shape and take a hold
1: i think it's also interesting because it's i think it's just this week chris that the cipp have just released their code of practice which i think identifies how clearly that you know it's become so much more of a kind of commonplace thing that for cipp to feel they need to almost step in and deliver a code of practice around it, I think is really interesting. So it shows how the market is is moving.
0: Yeah, kind of it's gone from that early adopters into now it's becoming more mainstream, hasn't yeah. it?
1: Just i ask both of you about this actually.
0: I'll start with you, Simon, that's right. Because it feels like to me there's been lots of talk about this, but not a lot sort of happened for a while. Do you see the CIPP's kind of movement to creating this kind of code of practice as like, okay, now we're getting into the mainstream. Was that for you, the kind of almost trigger point to, okay, this is now becoming accepted, whereas maybe a year or 18 months ago,
1: less so? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of noise about it over the years. Mm -hmm. And I think this is probably recognising now that it's, it's, it wasn't a sort of one shot pony or whatever the phrase is. It's, it's kind of here to stay now so actually it's recognizing that really cipp you know as the authority and all things payroll need to step in and actually i suppose give some guidance give some parameters around it because i think certainly when chris and i have talked to people about it there's been quite a lot of nervousness a lot of hesitation around you know ultimately what it means and the concerns around potentially people getting into you know debt kind of abusing the situation. So I think again, CITV starting to as I say give a kind of framework in which organizations need to be working not only sort of raises its profile, but does emphasize that it's clearly something we're going to almost have to get used to and will become, you know, expected as an offering.
0: Yeah. And Chris, I know we were talking about that. When we were talking about it last year it was very much this could become part of an organization's like almost evp and for or for some businesses it's almost like if you don't do this then you're going to be missing out because everyone will but you, just chris i wanted to ask you just that question we were just touching on it is it because there's been such teething problems and Perhaps businesses are naturally quite risk averse, particularly when it comes to
2: payroll technology and stuff like that. Potentially. I mean, we, we've discussed before, right, there's this traditional lens through which payroll people and, and payroll generally see everything they do. And that is, you know, you're there to protect the, the employees mm-hmm. make sure they're paid accurately, make sure they're paid on time. And I mean, I certainly have been brought up with the strap line of, you know, we can't give financial advice and that sort of thing. So when you when you look at the whole ethos around payroll, payroll people and what's ingrained in, in us, it is a massive stretch and it is it is a it is a big step. But I think it's also very important to acknowledge the workforce is shifting as well as payroll. So payroll's Mm. mindset is shifting in line with the changing workforce, right? So you look at the views of some of the younger generation and they're very different and the expectations and just societally what they're used to. And I think that's all coming together and driving this just different way of thinking. And I think the other point is it isn't financial advice and and it's not, you know, you're not responsible for the employee's pay. You have a responsibility to them, of course, and you have to do everything responsibly. and, And that's what in particular the CIPP guidance and also some of the things and the controls and checks that the products offer are there to to sort of protect so yeah I think it's just a step change and I think it's a mindset change right you've sort of touched on it there and
0: Simon you mentioned it Chris you mentioned it earlier on in the pod around the things like dayforce wallet so should we have a quick sort of helicopter view i appreciate you can't go into reams and reams of detail about every single provider but maybe just talk us through maybe each of you can take one of the different providers like what they're doing just give them a bit of an overview maybe for those people who are only looking at this for the first time who wants to go first on that one
2: yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm happy to go first. And I, I think actually, I'll, I'll maybe um, save Simon needing to do it again, because th- frankly, I think most of them do offer the same sort of functionality, you know, how it's physically presented, how it's maybe managed in terms of the intricacies of the process might vary slightly. But broadly, when we're talking about earned wage access, it is about, you know, we've worked this time, we've worked this shift, we've earned this money. Why can't we have it now? Now that and it's itself poses plenty of other of arguments again on both sides of the sort of thought process and the argument. But certainly in an in an environment where somebody may be suffering financial hardship or something and needs access to that money, it's fair to to you know offer them that rather than going down the route of a payday loan. So from a functionality perspective, what we see is that the apps that each of the specialist providers have, for example, they're very intuitive, you know, that they, they offer plenty of information, which from a user experience perspective is really important because you're not just picking a number out of thin air and saying give me that much money it's important to be clear on what the impact's going to be this month and next month and all that kind of stuff and all of them are are doing that right and i I think yeah I, i sorry i think that that's it pretty much i don't think there's much by way of functionality that's shifting
1: yeah i think as you're saying that chris i think what is quite interesting is when you think about whether it's about somebody being able to draw down the money that they have just earned or whether they are gaining access to the money that they are about to earn, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because I think it's one thing to potentially say, you know, I worked an extra two shifts, so actually I'd like that money now rather than waiting until the four-weekly, monthly, whatever cycle it is they're going to do, as opposed to, and I think, This cropped up in one of our payroll forums when actually, you know, I know I'm going to get a monthly salary at the end of the month, but actually I'd like to start drawing down on it now because I've got a shortfall and I need it now. And, you know, the concern at the forum was that that's all very well, but if somebody starts to draw down on that now, when it actually comes to payday, have they got enough in their account to pay for their mortgage their fuel in their car whatever
2: else yeah so i think that that points to another element of the the sort of functionality that that we see and again it is across all of them i'm yet to see one that doesn't you know do this because it's part of the responsibility side but is the the sort of governance and the reporting And, and again very much the cipp's guidance or code of practice points towards this but it's very much about how you manage the employee and that process as opposed to the tool itself and the physical transaction of getting money to them. So it's about, you know, setting a limit that's sensible and making sure employees can't abuse it. But also it's about reporting on employees who are using it every month, which may also be seen as misuse. You know, so so the employer's responsibility is still there. And these tools are giving the ability to still, you know, play that role, you know, and, and, and spot where there might be an issue.
0: I wanted to just ask a question because you mentioned, Simon, about the
2: fact that obviously we
0: do these payroll forums, we meet up quarterly. It's a really, really good opportunity to kind of speak to organisations, speak to people on that front line of payroll. The question I was thinking about is what are the types of things that we're being asked when it comes to this faster payment? Like what what are the discussions that are happening? And the reason I'm kind of asking that is we talked – 10 minutes ago about you've got organizations, you know, this is being seen as cu- becoming a little bit more mainstream. So are most of the conversations you guys having, is it around sort of faster payments? Is it we've bought the tech, now what do we do? We've got it implemented,
1: or are there still there's not actually that many people that are doing it yet? So where are we at? So I would have said from certainly from my experience and, and Chris, you know, you add to this, I think that there is still a lot of hesitation and nervousness around it. I think you know, the big thing that kind of comes up in those forums is really around sort of the education side of it. So, you know, where does the ownership for that education lie? Because in school, as people are, you know, coming into business, should there be a general education around financial well-being and how people manage their their money? But I think also if you're going to introduce something like this, how do you educate the employee to use it in the right way? And as as Chris alluded to, you know, have the right parameters in place that ensures people aren't abusing it. So I think, you know, from my experience, certainly it's much more people potentially acknowledging they need to explore it, but still being very hesitant around it at the moment. Is that fair, Chris?
2: yeah absolutely i think there's there's a general hesitancy when it's brought up but i think it's fair to say it also does still need to be brought up i don't think there's many organizations who are actively thinking you know financial well-being is something we need to do i think you know when when i've spoken to to you know many of our clients it's something they hadn't thought of and and it's the first time they're thinking about it and the initial reaction as simon said is there's a there's a hesitancy or, or oh yeah we're not ready for that or we haven't considered that that's not part of you know know, our immediate roadmap or whatever. So I think it, it, that is still very much the case. I think it's one of those things. I think it's, it's a similar journey to when, you know, mental health and well being be- became, you know, more part of an employer's picture, if you like, and, and responsibility in the, when it first comes out and when it, when it's still in its infancy, it's not massively adopted immediately and there's always this journey around is it our responsibility how far do we go and I think that's where we're at right now with financial well-being and I think ultimately what will happen over time is people will become more and more used to it being available it will be more more and more a part of organizations you know offerings or or support for their employees and it will become more of a front of mind topic.
0: I'm really interested to get your views as well on what do you think the appetite is amongst businesses? Because you're sort of touching on it there, like it's part you know, organizations are looking at this as part of their overall well-being strategy. What's the appetite from business, do you think, versus the appetite from payroll people? Because, of course, you talk about complexity a lot, Chris, in <laughs> payroll. And I'm sure that we've been to one of the forums where people have almost looked at this and
2: just said, oh, let's add another le- layer of complexity to our lives, shall we? <laughs> No, you're you're possibly right. And it's hard to say without speaking to them all. I looked up some stats again last week, I think it was, and I think the number that we're up to at the moment around adoption based on a couple of different surveys was around the 13 to 15% mark of organisations that have actually adopted this already. But the really interesting stat was, as part of those same surveys, they'd asked who's planning to adopt it. And the figure was between 25 and 30%. So, you know, again, back to that point around we're on that trajectory. And this is early in the in 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 its infancy almost, but certainly it's becoming more a part of businesses' minds and is, I think, going to become more common.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's the classic case of an organization from a kind of rewards and benefits perspective you know, always wanting to keep ahead of the competition yeah. in terms of what they're potentially offering their, you know, their colleagues. And therefore, within the organisation, there is perhaps the appetite to be exploring this just as there would be for, a you know, a cycle to work scheme or whatever it might be from a sort of, you know, another benefit. There's an acknowledgement that potentially this is something they need to be offering. And I think it probably comes down to a little bit of when you look at different business sectors, because actually if you start to think of organisations like retail for example where you may be on you know I don't know a 20-hour contract but you could easily be topping that up each week by doing extra shift I would imagine things like retailers uh, hospitality those areas this could be quite an attractive proposition but actually for you know you're more your blue collar type organizations where people are just getting you know a, a, a static monthly salary perhaps less so I've got a couple
0: more questions and then we'll probably wrap up today, actually, just with any other thoughts you might have. The first question is, you actually mentioned about the adoption stats a minute ago, Chris. And that gets me to thinking about what the adoption was last year, what the adoption is this year of take up. What's your kind of gut feel as to where we're at in 2024? Are you talking
2: about, yeah, you know, this has just become mainstream. And if you're not offering this, then you're you're in trouble because everyone else is. It's a good question and payroll person right so I like numbers and a stats uh, a stat is often how I justify my opinions I looked back over some of the previous sort of growth stats and and I think if I remember rightly the number in terms of payments made through the 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 soft the multiple softwares and the multiple providers had doubled year on year on average for I think two years. So this year will be really interesting to see if that's happened again. I will now get to the stats that I was uh, mentioning because there was also a, a study that I looked up. Um, I think it was a company called SSRS uh, who, who commissioned it. And they they did a study of all of Ceridian's Dayforce wallet customers. And it was really interesting to see that 63%, I think it was, of employees had said that it created a positive impression for them of their employer. So just on its own, just offering it created a positive impression. What was also really interesting is we've often spoken, and we've mentioned it on this call as well, around the generational differences, right? And the, the different workforces that we're working with. As part of that same survey, 45% of 18 to 29 year olds went as far as saying it was the reason they're still with their employer. Which I find is incredible. And I think when you look at statistics like that, and if they are the realistic baseline, clearly, you know, we all have our view on stats and what they actually mean. But if that is a realistic baseline, it can't it can't not grow and it can't not keep doubling and it can't not become top of companies minds, in my view. Yeah, Simon,
1: where are we at when we're one year older this time next year? Well, so 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 Chris's stats, I go with. I'm going to go with gut feel. Okay, it's the difference between Chris and I. It's <laughs> why, we, why we work so well, well together. So actually, I was going to say that I think probably going into 2024 is going to be a bit of a make or break for it. I think yeah. it's either going to become very much more kind of mainstream, which actually, when you hear those kind of stats, it would suggest that there is definitely appetite for it, or it's going to you know fizzle out and just be very much in the in the background so I think you know if we were this time next year I think we will have either seen that it's very much in the background still no appetite or it's become very
2: mainstream so it'll be interesting to see yeah I I think the other thing we mentioned already that will play a big part in the next even year, but certainly over the next you know few years will be that legislative angle. And I think where that goes and how, you know, because yeah. ultimately it's going to the more complex it becomes, the harder it will be to make mainstream. Right. So if you're talking about the US, which will clearly be a huge market for this kind of product, and you're talking about 20 different ways of having to manage it, it's a bit like payroll. Right. It becomes very difficult to do via a central product. Mm. So I think that's going to have a huge influencing factor on how common it becomes. Yeah, certainly. So I've got one more question
0: and I'm going to let you guys have a free swim at the end. So if there's anything that we haven't touched on today, my question is more, I'm a payroll professional sitting in in here, listening to this podcast and I'm thinking about this. I haven't really done anything about it yet. Are there any sort of questions I should be asking myself with regards to where am I at with my business? Any sort of bits of nuggets of advice you can give? Like, ask if you're going to do
2: one thing, ask yourself this question. So I'm happy to start, and it's it's funnily enough the same the same question, the same thought that I pretty much say for most things across HR and payroll, and it's do you know what your employees want and need? And Ultimately, if you're sat there as a payroll professional and you're thinking from a payroll through a payroll lens, do we want to offer this? How much effort is it? You can't make that a fully advised decision without actually understanding whether there's a problem and whether there's a a, a way that you can support your employees. It might be that you do that and you 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 get their opinion and you you speak to them and, and and the business as well. And there is no no issue. It's not something that would appeal to them and it's not something that they need. But at the same time, it might be something that solves a, a pretty hefty problem for your workforce.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, I would say if I'm thinking about it, me why am I thinking about it? You know, what's driving it? Is it just because I feel I need to, because I've got to keep up with the competition or is it to Chris's point, there is appetite from in, within the business. But I think it's really important that you think of it in a more you know, strategic way and think about it as an overall sort of roadmap for your payroll operation. Because actually, if you haven't got the kind of infrastructure, both from a, you know, an operating model, but also from a technology perspective, then, you know, is it the right thing to do within your organisation? So I think you have to think of it in a kind of, you know, more holistic way and think about you know what you would need to do to make it actually successful within your organization yeah that's a really really good point isn't it it's you, you could you could spend a lot of
0: time a lot of resource a lot of effort mm. and then ultimately a lot of money putting in something if it's just not adopted if as chris's point there's not the appetite and to your point if you haven't actually sort of tried to feed it in as part of your wider strategy
1: yeah and it could cause you a lot of complexity and a lot of headache for actually very little benefit yeah
0: we're just about to wrap up today, but just wanted to check in with you both just to see if there's any kind of, kind of final points
2: that maybe we didn't cover in any of the questions that I've asked. Yeah, as always, I've got a final point. I think I've, I've actually got a final stat as well. There we go, just to round us off nicely. See, so that's um, what I did, Chris. It was more me saying, Chris, I'm sure you've got another stat
0: ready yeah. need to drop in there that I haven't asked you about. Surely you're so only incredible. halfway
2: down your notepad, yes. Fundamentally, to wrap this up, I think I fully understand this concern around employees abusing it. I do. And it is a concern and it is something that has to be managed. I think the stats I'm going to use is actually from CloudPay's data because obviously Cloud Pay now have their own product as well. And what I found interesting was looking through their data, I think the the average or the most common withdrawals are between the 80 and $130 mark. Now that suggests, again, stats are what you take them for, but that suggests it's not necessarily being abused, more used where there is a short term and immediate you know, requirement for a payment or a, a small amount of money. I think finally the other thing that we've not not covered so far is I think to Simon's point around being holistic internally. I think the products themselves need to be more holistic. I think this is more about looking at employees and their financial well being than how do we get the money whenever they want it. And I think as part of that, it therefore needs to cover more around coaching and education and and that side of things. And we'll see. You know bits like i think pay captain uh, they they do some stuff around pension for example where you know if you're not in payroll or, or you're not necessarily that familiar with with pensions it can often just like look like a tax right it's like money you're losing well actually it's not it's an investment and therefore how do you change the perception of that well you can change the way that it's presented and you can change the information that you're giving to employees so i think that whole picture of financial wellbeing needs to look be looked at by both providers and organizations when we're looking through this
1: yeah, and I, and I think I would just reiterate one of the points I made earlier, which I think is always start with why. Why are you doing this? Because actually maybe why you think you need to do it this isn't the right solution. Maybe there is a more effective solution you can do that doesn't mean you necessarily need to take this route. So I just think it's a—it's really understanding why you think this is the right thing to do within your organisation. Don't get trapped into thinking just because it's a sort of a topical area that you should be doing it. So I think it's just really ensuring that you are trying to answer the right question. Lovely. And Chris,
0: amazing to have you on as always. Thanks, mate. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it as usual, Chris and Simon making his podcast debut Chris and I went easy on you didn't we I loved it It it's good fun
1: as I say love to talk about payroll so it's a good chat so thank you
0: yes lovely to have you on of course you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts however you get your podcasting whatever me we also have uh, plenty of content that we are regularly producing uh, in the payroll space so you can just go to the lacepartners.co.uk forward slash insights page on our website and there's a filter there which is on payroll as well so lots of different stuff that we talk about but it's been wonderful to uh to chat and shoot the breeze with chris and simon about fast payments and earned wage access hopefully you'll join us hopefully you enjoyed it and we will see you next time on the hr on the offensive podcast bye